This is John Mills, and this is Acquired Tasting, episode 104. Oh, we're so happy that you're all here with us. And I have two guests. I have Joanne in the house. Hello. And I have Maggie Snyder. Hello. And you know what? I can't believe it, but Maggie was on the show in August of 2020. And I don't know what our problem is that we didn't get her back sooner now. But here she is. We've got her here. And we're doing rose wines. I am doing a French Commandeur de la Barcelona. My <laughs> French is terrible. So Maggie should correct me. But it's a uh, 2020 and it's a Provence rose. And for snacks, I have a shrimp cocktail. I have a quiche that Joanne made this morning. And I have a Amaretto Brie. Now, Maggie, what wine did you bring? Well, I also brought a rosé from France to enjoy. I brought one from the region of Chinon in the Loire Valley. So a totally different area just to showcase um, a different style of rosé from the same country. Yes, and and, uh, on Instagram, you'll see the difference in the colors. Mm -hmm. My wine is more a salmon color, and yours is definitely more a strawberry color. Yes. And I think uh, both of them will have that strawberry flavor, but we'll find out that in just a minute. Now, Joanne, did we have a blind last week? No, we did not. Let's see. Josh and I had a blind when we were doing liquors two weeks ago, and I blinded him on a brown liquor, and he went through it very laboriously (laughs) trying to figure out what it was. And when he got down to the end, he said, it's an Irish whiskey. And I said something like, Josh, are you sure? And he goes, oh, no, I guess it's not an Irish whiskey. (laughs) Well, it wasn't. It was Tennessee, very special cognac. And uh, I got that bottle from uh, Uncle Gene's cabinet. That bottle's probably been sitting there for a long time. So maybe that's what tricked him as well. So... As I said, my wine is a Provence wine, and this region of uh, Provence that it's in is a very special region from the standpoint that there were some people called Tempar, and they were knights, and they found this area, and I think they started the winery themselves in the 1300s and that's really really amazing i thought now you may ask what happened to these knights of Tempar? well many of the knights were brutally tortured until they confessed to false charges including heresy homosexuality blah 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 and a few years later dozens of them were burned at the stake in paris (laughs) So that's a sad story, but the wine is very good. As I said, it's a salmon color. Have you noticed it yet, anybody? Yes. Okay, what do you get? I get that. I get some strawberry. Light, I do too. It's light. very almost floral. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Lots of like citrus fruit, almost like a like lime flower. Yes, yes. It it's very pleasant. Makes my mouth water. Well, let's let's maybe go out and try a sip and, and see what happens then. 
makes my cheeks pucker a little bit, like in the best way possible. Yeah, there's, there's some acid in there, mm-hmm. isn't there? Yeah, it's very acidic. It's very dry. Mm-hmm. I would say, and Josh would correct me, that it's sweet because to me, that flavor of the strawberry and maybe that citrus combines to make a sweet kind of flavor. But he would correct me because he says, no, Dad, it's dry, it's acidic. <laughs> it can't be sweet. But what do you think, Maggie? Sure. I definitely get the fruit profile. Do you yes. get? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's almost like if you're biting into a strawberry that's not ripe yet. Mm-hmm. Like if you were to go out, you know, if you were growing strawberries and you went outside and picked one before it was quite ready. Right. It has that tart sensation and you want to add sugar to it, right? To kind of balance out right. that intense sensation. And that's what I get in the wine. So it's not... Definitely the fruit is there, but it's not ripe and sweet fruit. It's It's not a sugary sweet. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't call it sweet. I wouldn't call it sweet. No, I wouldn't say it's sugary sweet either. Um, But you'd get that. To me, I get that sweetness of that strawberry that's not quite ripe yet. Because that strawberry is sweet, but it's just not as sweet as an Arkansas perfect strawberry. And that acidity comes from, it's not quite ripe yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this location in, is about 10 miles away from the historic city of Aix-de-Provence. I don't know where that is. I looked it up on the map <laughs> and I still don't know. But Provence is in the southern part of France. Yes, lots of Mediterranean influence. Yes, yes. And I think it, it they have a 100... One place I saw they have 160 acres, and then a man bought it later, and I guess there was some adjacent land, and now he has 300, there's 300 acres, but that's still very small. Mm-hmm. Not like, you know, not like, uh, you know, maybe a, a, a big Bordeaux region. Sure. Yeah. Doesn't that... I find that amazing to know the exact number of acres and hectares. Yeah. And know that if you hear the name French Rosé, you immediately think of Provence. Oh, yeah. Um, that's how prestigious and how well-known the name is. And mm-hmm. to know that it's actually a small, smaller region than I would have thought, you know, for such like a big name. That's right. That makes it more, I don't know, more special. It's pretty cool. It I is. like that fact. Now, I bet you know the the rosé wine that is the largest selling rosé in the world. (laughs) I do. do. Oh. Is it Whispering Angel? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the first Mm -hmm. French rosés that I ever And And that's everybody's go-to, and and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And it's it's a good price point. I mean, at our liquor store, it's about $25. And, uh, you know, on Wine Wednesday, <laughs> you can get it for like 21 or maybe 20 something like that, because the 20% off is going to be much better. This wine that I chose has a price point of 20 Have you ever seen it before? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely seen this bottle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, $20 is a better price point, but I don't know that it's a better, you know, just because the price point's whatever. We'd have to ask Seth his opinion. Yeah. His opinion, I don't know that uh, 
it's always that accurate. And, you know, some people say, well, the more expensive the wine is, the better it's going to be. I don't believe that. Yeah. Maybe in a big cab, okay, <laughs> that's going to that's gonna age and get better during age. These rosés don't do that. The rosé is probably peaked at about 18 months. Yes. And then... The age of rosé is so important. Right. And yes. then this is a 2020, so it's, it's, it's peaking now. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very, very good. And it's 13% alcohol, which is... You know that's right up there, so I'm I'm happy with this wine. Yeah, I got different reports as to actually what grape. Uh, it's a mixture of grapes. Mm -hmm. uh, Grenache, I think, is the forty like forty percent, so it's mostly Grenache. And then in the 2021, I looked up it and it said most of it was Cab. So I don't quite understand how that works. Do you? Do you understand? I it? think a lot of that has to do with vintage uh, mm -hmm. weather variables. Um, yeah. Cab is a thicker skinned, hardier grape. Uh, right. It does really well in warm weather. And as we're watching from year to year, our um, vintages and climate change and temperatures rising, I think we're seeing a lot more use of the warmer weather grapes mm -hmm. in these mm -hmm. blends. Because um, you got to think Grenache is definitely a thinner skinned grape compared to Cab. So mm -hmm. that that would be my um, educated guess was that they it was a warmer vintage. And so they had to use a, a grape that was more conducive to warmer weather. And I think that's true. And, you know, what we learned when we were in Italy is they can't add water. They can't water their vineyards. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, this bottle says he's talking about growing grapes not winemaking that's right, right. <laughs> for those of you listening no, oh i'm sorry uh, i'm sorry right. no no no. i'm I filling in the gaps here i, I yeah. segued yeah <laughs> but thank i'm you. following you yes yeah. thank, thanks for doing that but um it it seems so difficult to not let the grape be watered now when you read about sustainability you end up reading that that means that they're going to be very particular in, in how much water they give to the grapes. Mm -hmm. So maybe they're just putting one of these uh, hoses out that just leaks a little bit. Mm -hmm. It also, another place, said it's organic. And organic has a complete different understanding, too. Sure. Yeah. So on the bottle, it says sustainable. So, you know, that also means that Maybe they pick these grapes at night so that they don't have to refrigerate sure. and do all those things that causes sure. a, a lot of electricity. So I have a question for those of us who aren't wine experts. Why is rosé pink instead of white or red? Oh, that's a good <laughs> question. I love that. Go for it. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. So rosé... I mean, 99.999% of the time mm -hmm. is made from red grapes, right? So if I say that, mm -hmm. one of the first things that you think of is a red wine, mm -hmm. right? right? White, white grapes make white wine. Red mm -hmm. grapes make red wine. Mm -hmm. So the reason why red grapes make red wine, though, is the skin of the grape. Mm -hmm. If you were to delicately take like an X-Acto knife and cut into a red grape right now, mm -hmm. you would see that the inside of the grape is actually clear. Right. Mm -hmm. The juice itself is clear. has no color. Right. 
So in order to make a red wine red is to allow contact of this beautifully pigmented grape skin with the juice. For a long enough period. For to impart to get, the color. To get that red color. Right. So with that said, if you want pink. You just control how long. You just long. control. You're right. Yeah. And I think I read here that it was maybe no more than five days. Sure. And they so use, so it would be the same amount of skins or less skin it, or just less time. Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of these are variables that winemakers take into account. Um, especially like with this Provence rosé that John mm-hmm. was just talking about, how the um blend changes year to year. I'm going to say that the winemakers are going to change that um time spent with skin depending on the the grape blend because like the cab Mm -hmm. has like this really hearty thick that has um grape skin so it's going to impart more color than say a lighter uh, red grape so it's just all going to be what they're working Mm -hmm. with you know cool winemakers are very active i mean they're checking i'm sure by the by the hour sometimes you know right just Um, how what the color mm -hmm. they have a color in mind that they want Mm -hmm. and so they style yeah and it's interesting that the pink wines have, rosé wines have become popular in the past, what, 10 years? Because back in the 70s and 80s, my mom liked this pink wine called Zinfandel mm-hmm. that was sweet. Mm-hmm. And so then it got a, pink wine Bad sort of got a, mm-hmm. uh, a reputation for being low class or <laughs> too sweet. Yeah. Now it's not. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it was the way the Zinfandel was done. It made it, it made it very sweet, and that I mean, it was sweet. But it got it the popular. color. Mm-hmm. But it was yeah, intentionally being made in that style they, too. That was back then. People mm-hmm. were drinking sweet wine. Sure. <laughs> and as a winemaker, I mean, you want to make money, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just don't send out a dry wine. <laughs> <laughs> and you and so now what? it's not. It's the opposite, right? Yes, you're Pretty definitely much. seeing much more of a swing from uh, the sweet style to this really tart, refreshing, acidic style. Now, another thing I read when I was reading about the blend of the grapes to this wine, it said the grape varieties are vinified separately. Now, I didn't quite understand that, so it sounded like they would take that Grenache and press it by itself and then let it lay on those grape outside skins and get the color they wanted. Sure. And then they do the same thing with the cab. Mm -hmm. And then they do the same thing with the Shiraz, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And each one might take a little longer or less. The cab would take less than the Grenache, in my mind. Right, it's a, yes. It's a, it's a big, bold red. I'm following you there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, I'm making all this up as I go. <laughs> You're doing I, great. Because I don't know exactly what it meant. <laughs> but it that's the way I understood it. And then the Vintner is taking 40%, as it says here. And 25% of the cab, or Grenache, 25% of the cab. And he's doing that blending to get exactly what he wants. And the 
flavor, and the color profile. Yes. Does that sound right? Yes. <laughs> and this is, I feel like if you could see me right now, I look like a kid at Christmas. Like my eyes have that like spark to them. Josh, are this- you listening? You kind of <laughs> taught me this stuff. This, you're doing so great. <laughs> This is one of the things that excites me so much about winemaking, and that is just so amazing and hard for me to wrap my head around and comprehend. Just like in, um, like this is mentioned a lot with uh, scotches, Mm -hmm. there's this master distiller, right? Mm -hmm. They are the person. So the master distiller is this person that has this taste palette. Committed to memory, right? Mm-hmm. So they're the person making mm-hmm. this whiskey every year. Mm-hmm. They're overseeing how it's made because they want this house style to be created. The same thing is happening in wineries. Yeah, but you just don't think about that. You think, right? You think, press one grape, squeeze it, put, <laughs> put the yeast with it, pour it in a bottle, and you're done. Mad scientist. The man behind the curtain with beakers, <laughs> literally, they have beakers lined mm-hmm. up, mm-hmm. Uh, labeled what grape, what vintage, okay. and they're doing these little test blends and trying the different blends until they get it just right, mm-hmm. and then they proceed with the making of the wine and blending it together. And oh, these wow. are put in stainless steel vats, so they're not going to impart any yeah most of the time yeah yes um traditionally speaking but of course we live in the day and age where everybody likes to um experiment which is fun too yeah (laughs) (laughs) have you tried any food we've been talking a lot i've been yakking along but you know what i've tasted some things really explained what the foods are today well i did uh but i like okay i'll go over it i brought Shrimp mm-hmm. cocktail. I brought a quiche that Joanne made That's right, and yeah. an Amarillo Brie. Mm-hmm. And the shrimp cocktail, we just got that at uh, where we Fresh get? Market. Fresh Market. You made the quiche, and it's a cheese and onion quiche. That's right. And I've not tried it yet. And then the Amaretto Brie, which has a little bit of Amaretto and has some uh, little cut up almonds with the Brie. And so I've tried the shrimp and the mm-hmm. shrimp cocktail. And this wine is perfect. It seems to be just standing right up to the that shrimp. Now the 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 acid that this wine has, and that to me shrimp has a sweet flavor. They're not slamming each other, and both are gone. Mm-hmm. It's like they kind of merge together and you get this wonderful flavor of shrimp. Yeah, the weight of the wine and the weight of the fish mm-hmm. yeah, match yeah, very well palate, together, yeah. for sure. Delicious. Have you tried the brie, anybody? Mm-hmm. Yes, I and just did. It's very nice. What did you cover it with? It, are you saying amaretto? It has a little bit of, okay, it, it has brown sugar, a little bit of amaretto, and then these uh, almonds. Mm. No, that's kind of the liquid that's on that brie. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, the brie was microwaved 30 30 seconds or so. And uh, we had it since uh, the other day, and I just reheated (laughs) it this time in the microwave. 
I think rosé is such a great go-to wine when you're doing like any kind of um, finger foods or right. like appetizers. You're entertaining and mm-hmm. you set out those appetizer type foods for just like grazing and you know lingering and catching right. up. Mm-hmm. The acidity in the wine just allows it to pair with so many different foods. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'll get in trouble if you go too heavy. Like if you had a I don't know, like a brisket on, yeah, your, right. <laughs> on your appetizer board. You know, the, any kind, anything super heavy is going to overpower it. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, these lighter foods, it's just such a great go-to. Well, I was just in France uh, last month. So envious. And uh, we drank a lot of rosé. It's so inexpensive there, mm-hmm. especially at the grocery store. And <laughs> Six euro. I'm sure uh, you had the current vintage, too. I yes. mean, it was oh, just yeah. being released. Right. Uh, and quiche is on the menu a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Shrimp for shrimp was more the entrees. But I do think it goes well with the with the quiche as well. It's it's another light. I mean, you could a white wine would be fine, but the rosé gives it a little extra. A little feel a little more like you're in France. Yeah. <laughs> and it's almost like when you think about being served a quiche at a restaurant, nine times out of ten, it comes with like a beautiful little like fruit salad next yes, to it. Yes, exactly. So it's mm-hmm. almost like you're having your fruit in your glass instead of on your plate. <laughs> I so like you're that. getting that like same that. exact flavor experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it goes so well. Because like Good melon point. is a really big um, mm-hmm. flavor profile in rosés. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people say watermelon or cantaloupe. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And I love to eat those things mm-hmm. with quiche. So why yeah. not drink yeah, those right. with quiche? Right. <laughs> exactly. Okay, I'm going to give you a heads up. I don't think you and Josh did this, but this is something that we have been doing since you were on the show before. At the end of the show, we're going to do best on play. What that means is, what did you think was best with my wine and my food? Ooh, okay, And then we'll do the same thing with your wine and your food. I love that. And there are no rules, so if you want to cross over and say, my wine goes best with this this sausage, mm-hmm. particular one, that's okay. Okay, okay. Because there's no rules. You can't break a rule. <laughs> no so, red flags being thrown my nope, way. Nope, okay. nope, nope, nope. So, just a heads up on that. John, uh, you did a great job, I think, of choosing. Yeah, it's a great pairing. So, I, I chose... Uh, the quiche because Joanne makes these wonderful quiches and uh, we could have put ham in it. Mm-hmm. We talked about that. We didn't put the ham in. Uh, I think this wine would have stood up to a quiche that had ham. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, and salt cause, cause, always yeah. helps with pairings mm-hmm. too. Exactly. So the, the, the so ham would have worked very well. It's just not in this quiche. This quiche goes very well with this wine. Yeah. It seemed that the quiche in France Normally it was cheese and onion. That was sort yeah. of what they put in quiche. Maybe they put some meat in it. But uh, for our vegetarian friends. Yeah. And I like the I taste that. too. It's like you're the woman on the ground. You went in and you did the research. You were. <laughs> <laughs> I you did. came back. We ate with... and drank plenty. Let me tell you. Appreciate <laughs> your, <laughs> your sacrifice to yes. uh, knowledge. Yes. Thank you. So. Now that I like, I have I'd I'd want to go to this vineyard, and we've we've toured vineyards before, and uh, 
these organic or sustainable vineyards, you know, if, if it's organic, they're not going to use pesticides. They do things in the middle between the rows to have bad insects go over mm-hmm. there to that whatever's in the middle of the row so that it won't disturb the vines. And this is a beautiful picture that I'm looking at. It's red flowers in the middle of the row with vines on each side. So are those poppies? So- those, it really is stunning. Show it to Maggie. Oh, wow. That is a stunning picture. And you got to think, um, these winemakers, I mean, <laughs> no one is, um, how do you say, uh, immortal, so it's not the same winemaker. Mm-hmm. But these winemakers have been passing down knowledge for hundreds of years. I mean, you mentioned that story of this specific winery from the 1300s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they've been making wine from a time period that didn't have, they didn't have access, mm-hmm. access or knowledge to chemicals so right. they're just doing what they've always done oh that's um, true mm-hmm. which you know this is just a an older way of uh caring for your vines and pests yeah they use a this word viticulture yeah, so it's yeah. like wine culture so cultivating. It's oh, oh yeah so viticulture is in the winery right yeah. you're making the wine and viticulture is out in the fields yeah yeah. Oh, viniculture. And Vin- viniculture, yeah. Vin- <laughs> drink a couple, drink two glasses of rosé <laughs> and say that five times fast. Well, anyway, there is a science to, to wine. Yeah, right. absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, everybody tried all the different foods? Yes. This one? Delicious, delicious. I tried your pairings, yes. yes. Amazing. Okay, well, you're going to have to pick one. <laughs> and what I sometimes say to Josh, it's like, oh, man, Josh, I'm going to struggle. He says, Dad, just be ready when I call you. <laughs> it's like it's like being in school, and it's like, okay, what's best on plate, Dad? <laughs> One, two, three, go. You're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All so right. Uh, if you don't have any questions for me, why don't we move over and let Maggie kind of tell us about her wine and her foods. So to remind us, Maggie, what wine do you have, and what foods did you bring for your wine pairing? And And I'm interested in the area that it comes from. Yeah, so I chose a different part of France. Since, as you mentioned earlier, you know, Provence is so well known, I thought I would, you know, spread the good word that um, rosé um, is very regional. It comes from uh, most any region that grows grapes. And the style and blend or um, the grape that makes this beautiful pink wine is just dependent on what they grow in that region. So, and, um, Provence, you know, they grow a lot of Grenache and Syrah mm-hmm. and now Cab, apparently. Oh, really? Um, so in this particular region in the Loire Valley, Chinon, uh, where this um, wine is coming from and the grapes are being grown, the uh, red grape there is Cabernet Franc. So we're having a totally different flavor profile and color, as you mm-hmm. can see, too. And a different um, climate. It's, so this It's is, a beautiful wine. It is. It is really beautiful. The color beautiful. is just beautiful. I mean, this salmon color, it's nice, but it can't compare with that that pink color of the strawberry. And I haven't looked, I haven't smelled it, had nosed it yet or tasted it, but I'm sure it's going to be very, very good. I'll, the, I'll just make a comment, if I can, about um, the popularity of rosés 
in the last five years, I used to go to the wine, the wine shop, and there would be a relatively small shelf that would have all the rosés that they have. And now they have a big shelf, and they have uh, rosés in maybe a couple of different places because everybody's making rosé, right? Because right. it's so popular, and right. it sells. I love that. Yeah, that's a really good point. You're seeing mm-hmm. rosés from Spain pop up. Um, shoot, I saw California. California, mm-hmm. of course. Yeah. Um, Washington. Uh, Washington, Oregon. You know, Pinot Noir country, Oregon. You're yep. seeing uh, Pinot Noir rosé. And I even saw one from um, New Zealand. Oh, uh, yeah. Now that they're growing more rosé there. Cool. Well, and and in France, if you're in a restaurant, uh, you know, we'd, we'd say, oh, we'd like a rosé. And they'd go, sweet or dry. Which was very interesting to to me because I didn't think any place, any restaurant you go to in the U.S. and you ask for a rosé, mm-hmm. it is going to be dry. Mm-hmm. So I guess there's some vestiges of people that still like the sweeter. And I don't know what they're, I mean, we didn't get into any real wine tastings there, which we'd like to do in yeah. Loire. But that designation in the wine shop in Arkansas is just a rosé. Right. So... Can we be confident that most of them are not sweet? I mean, I can only speak for domestically, Mm -hmm. like here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what's selling. So that's what, um, I mean. The dryer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the dryer style. So that's what people are going to carry and Mm -hmm. sell because at the end of the day, it's about paying bills. It's about money. (laughs) But I also wonder, and this may be like (laughs) getting a little off track here but i also wonder if since you're in france and the wine is coming like sometimes literally down the road mm-hmm. if um they're stopping like fermentation early almost like a beaujolais nouveau mm-hmm. um which does not have a very good shelf life right. but if you're just driving mm-hmm. it down the road to you know a restaurant to be served at the table mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about that but that would definitely create a you know, a sweeter style that right. just cannot be oh, exactly. um, right. imported exactly. across the yeah. ocean. And mo- most of the areas we were in, in in Paris, were, you know, tourist-oriented mm-hmm. and tourists from all over the world. Mm-hmm. So some some people, you know, they're not all Americans and they're not all French, uh, have a maybe a palate that enjoys a sweeter wine. Yeah, yeah, and very true. So, and, but it's all, you know, to drink... French wine in France. There's nothing better. Yeah. No. Wow. Okay. (laughs) So, Maggie, uh, for our listeners' sake, why don't you introduce yourself and and tell us a little bit about you, Uh, things like where you've worked in the past. We we met you when you were working at uh, Colonial, and I know you've done a lot of other things since then. So, (laughs) you know... You don't, you know, don't, you can spend an hour if you want to, or you can spend 10 minutes and, and just kind of introduce yourself. And she's got a very special t-shirt on too. So. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> that might. Nearly as cool as yours. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm Maggie. I'm an out of work song and I am just so happy to be here sharing this afternoon with y'all, uh, drinking <laughs> wine and eating food and being away from the everything that's happening in the world mm-hmm. right now no kidding i mean my experience with wine which i know i talked about a little bit um two years ago on the episode i was in hopefully we um, have a lot of new listeners 
yeah, I, I started, um, I've been in the food and beverage industry since um, 2010, so 12 years now, and being in, or started out with just food only, and um, when I was working in a kitchen in Hawaii on a private estate, that is where I was introduced to wine and um, fell in love with learning about wine. I mean, I just thought... Mm-hmm. The whole process of what it takes to get this beautiful wine in your glass is just absolutely fascinating. It really is. The different grape varieties and the different soils that the grapes grow on and the different climates and different people that make it Mm -hmm. in these different regions. Uh, So that definitely, I mean, sent me down the rabbit hole of, I mean, I fell in love with wine folly, which I know I mentioned in that podcast too. Um, If you have not checked out um, the wine folly book, it's a great graphic novel reference to both beginners and... um, And If you hadn't listened, she's on episode five. (laughs) Okay. Oh, like a little reference card there. (laughs) August 2020, episode five. We were just barely getting started. COVID. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, it it was COVID, yeah. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So then you moved on when you came back to mm-hmm. Arkansas. You ended up being at a liquor store, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, worked at um, a liquor store slash wine shop, and I went to uh, school um, studying WSET Wine and Spirits Education Trust, and that's how I became a, an advanced certified wine professional. All right. Um, yeah. Helped open a restaurant in Northwest Arkansas. That's how she could fill in the blanks when I was <laughs> going. Duh. <laughs> no, no, not not even almost. Um, yeah, I helped open a restaurant in Northwest Arkansas. Um, was a psalm there, and then COVID hit, and um, right. just like many other listeners, my whole world and many um, facets turned upside down. Right, and um. So yeah, I'm back here in Little Rock, and um, really the only wine stuff I do now is what we're doing. I've done like um, some private, what do you tasting? call it, like education? Oh, yeah, like okay. tastings, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. where we sit down together as a group and go through wines just like this and talk about them. Okay. Well, I just have to add that when Maggie was working at a local wine shop, I l- Always look for her because she always directed me to a reasonably priced. She knew <laughs> That's my passion. She knew my, <laughs> my budget, uh, much different than my son's budget, and would introduce um, introduce me to to wines that were were not the ones that were getting a lot of marketing or mm-hmm. attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you told me one time that you know whatever is the big seller. Like Whispering Angel, maybe mm-hmm. is not necessarily the best wine, and that there were some very reasonable um, ten dollar, twelve dollar wines that just because they weren't the in thing didn't mean they weren't good. And I I learned a lot from Maggie, and I miss her at my wine shop. In fact, after she moved away, I would text her when I you would <laughs> that would make me what so about happy. this one. But anyway, uh, it's it's a pleasure to be back with you and, and talk wine again. All right. So, what's your wine and what's your food? What's that again? So, I do have a caveat. Okay. Um, <laughs> one of the foods that I brought to um, as part of this wonderful tasting, um, I brought with your wine in mind. 
So okay. I would love you to try it with okay. your wine. Okay. Oh, <laughs> which one is that? Um, yeah. So I brought bean dip, which I know oh. sounds very um, uh, non-traditional, which is why I wanted to bring it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love uh, any kind of Tex-Mex food with um, like a taco type seasoning, you know, like predominantly uh, right. uh, cumin. Oh, okay. I love those types of food with Provence rosés. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, I think I I can't like explain it in detail what is happening like I could with the quiche, <laughs> but it does something. Okay. And I wanted you to try it. Okay. Mm. I just did. It's good. Something about that cumin. Oh, do you need a splash more? <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> So I brought, I did bring bean dip and tortilla chips. I also brought um, sausages that I made. You made? Yes. <laughs> I didn't know Psalms made sausages. <laughs> She's a woman of, of many talents. Yeah, maybe that should be like my next Instagram handle, Psalm, Psalms with Sausage. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, yeah, I've been doing um, an internship at a butcher shop. Um, learning to make like different charcuteries and um, charcuterie items, charcuterie. Um... Charcuterie boards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And one of the things that I've learned is how to make sausage from scratch, like starting from the actual pork shoulder to the cooked oh, wow. slice okay. that is on your plate. Um, so the lightest one in color on your plate is Toulouse, which I thought was very apropos since we're talking about French uh, rosés, mm-hmm. you know, Toulouse's an actual um place in france mm-hmm. uh, but it's very mild it's um cooked with white wine and garlic okay and that's basically yeah it's good mm-hmm. and the other one is um kielbasa uh it is an also a very mild sausage this one is not smoked it is just sage salt pepper and uh garlic and kielbasa in polish just means um sausage which no. i didn't know mm. um so yeah i just brought a couple of mild sausages uh just to emphasize the um pairing of uh appetizers and then i brought a smoked sausage because you know we're in arkansas and we we love it um so that one wasn't necessarily with the pairing in mind i just wanted y'all to try a really good smoked sausage mm-hmm. they're all very good mm. Excellent. Oh, the bean dip with, with my wine. With the Provence? Isn't yeah. that good? That is excellent. I think, like, I'm talking, like, cheese dip, guacamole, <laughs> like, tacos, whatever your Tuesday night taco spread is. Mm-hmm. Margaritas, of course, are amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so is Provence rosé. Maybe mm. it's, like, the citrus in the rosé that pairs so well with mm-hmm. that type of seasoning, just like the citrus and margaritas. Maybe that's it. It's a margarita effect. But yeah. I'd explain the difference between a Provence and um, Chanon area rosé. Because for me, it would be just as good with yours as, okay. as with his. But So what's the what's the main difference besides the color sure um to me the two main differences between these wines is the acidity the acidity in the provence rosé is much more prominent right your cheeks are puckering right. like it's um cooling you off in all the best ways yes slider yeah mm-hmm. also the body um the body of the chinon 
um, it's darker in color and it's also darker or like heavier in weight. It's more full on your tongue. And you can also the alcohol creeping up in your throat more. It's hotter. So it's a little too hot for the hot bean dip. Yes. The lighter of the wine. So if you were to have sort of a Mexican buffet for Mm -hmm. a party, uh, you might want to go with uh, Provence. Yeah, anything lower alcohol wine you want with spicier food because alcohol makes things more intensely spicy. Okay. Okay. Your next yeah, yeah, your Mm -hmm. next whiskey podcast, if you want to like play (laughs) Josh isn't listening, right? (laughs) If you want to play a joke on Josh, have him try something spicy and then have him take a sip of whiskey and like your like, you know, whatever the heat level is, it just doubles. It's so interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. Well, we we've done these podcasts called uh, "What's Up with the E." Those were early, yes, and I think it was like number two and number seven or something like that. And he says, "Dad, we got to quit doing this." <laughs> <laughs> Josh is not a real spicy food mm-hmm. person. What no, else? That's... Just a little bit about your experience as a, a sausage maker at at a local mm-hmm. um, shop. Uh, I think probably the only shop in in central Arkansas where you can go and get uh, charcuterie sandwiches all made. I mean, it's sort of like being in Italy where you walk in and they've got the big comparison. They've got the big uh, shank or whatever Mm -hmm. that's um, that's being cured. And uh, you can get slices right off of that or sausages that are made in the other room. Um, it's it's a great trend. I think people are looking for food that doesn't travel for hours, days, or months yeah. and are made by local artisans. And it is an, an art to to create this kind of food. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit. Was there a question in there? Well, <laughs> I'm just giving a little, I guess, a little plug for local uh, local foods. Yeah. Is popular. It's, it's popular. okay to say their name. Hand artisan. It's a uh, ham market. Is ham. like the yeah Hilton uh, Hillcrest. I'm sorry. In Hillcrest, yeah, yes, not Hilton. That's a hotel. <laughs> but anyway, so you're doing that as an intern because you just are yeah, interested I mean, and you make a little bit of money, not much, right? I just really <laughs> miss being. I really miss making food. I really miss being a part of the food world and the wine education world. So yeah, I mean. It's a good, I'm just trying to find, find, find for a where, career, right? where I fit <laughs> in into this big crazy world. Do you want me to like tell you how sausage is made, or no, like I probably, how? Okay, probably don't need to know <laughs> okay, all the sure, sure, sure. When I when I was a, a exchange student to uh, Norway uh, in the 70s, um, the family that I lived with made their own sausages, and it was pretty gross. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, with the whole grinding oh. of the meat. And the, everything but they were they were good my palate was pretty immature at that time but um i think it's a great uh, a great way to uh earn a little money and learn a little i love learning new skill sets yeah okay anything else about the wine tell us more about your wine well well it pairs fantastically with your uh brie (laughs) if you have not tried that combination yet Super tasty. I think both of these, this is the struggle of best on plate. Mm. 
I think both of these wines will pair very well with most everything that's on yours or mine. I think that's a very fair statement. Um, I mean, in general, if you have... I wanted to showcase two different styles from France just to kind of encourage anyone who has tried a rosé and maybe they didn't love it. Um, that one rosé does not represent all rosés. Right. And also, if it's maybe too tart mm-hmm. for for what you usually like to enjoy, you can make a fantastic spritzer. You can throw, um, like we've been talking about fruit profile a lot. Mm-hmm. You can throw some frozen strawberries and some soda water or tonic water and make it your own little uh, spritzer cocktail. That's true. But also, um, so, go ahead. No. So when we were in France, my daughter Marie said, oh, we are only buying rosé because the three of us, she, my sister, and I all love rosé wines from Provence. And I, I went, well, okay. But she had this prejudice against maybe some other areas. And is there a hierarchy of the best to the not best? Or is it just what you've been exposed to? Ooh, <laughs> I love this question. It's a tough one. I think a lot of it has to do with, okay. It, it's tough because it's different. Everybody has a different palate. Yes, everybody does have a different palate. And so Absolutely. for me, I might choose one. For you, you choose a different Yeah. Joanne might choose one of well, two between and, us and, and or for just a totally a, different one. A, a wine shopper, drinker, it simplifies the experience. Just like most things in this world, there are so many choices. And so if you and you go into a French grocery store and there's like, you know, 15 different rosés and you think, oh my gosh, you know, we're going to, we, we're ready to have happy hour. Let's just get one. If you have sort of something in mind, oh, like a, let's get one from Provence because that's pretty uh, reliable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you sort of stick with that. But now I want to go to the Loire Valley mm-hmm. next year. <laughs> and maybe that'll end up being my favorite rosés. All right, back to your question. <laughs> okay. I mean, I do think it has a lot to do with experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you got to think like uh, taste and smell is um, stored in the same part of our brain where we store memories. Yes. So if you have a really good positive experience mm-hmm. with a certain thing, let's say a Provence Rosé, mm-hmm. that will always be near and dear to your heart. Right. So definitely I would take that into consideration. But I'm going to bring it full circle here mm-hmm. back to your um, when you were talking about using water in vineyards. Mm-hmm. A lot of that has to do with the laws around oh, um, yeah. vineyard practices, which I know, of course, y'all have talked about on this podcast. Oh, yeah. But vineyard practices in um, France with, okay. the, with the AOC and the Appellation des Régimes Contrôlés. <laughs> They, there are laws in specific regions um, what you can and can't do. Like if you ever watch um, the uh, documentary on Netflix, A Year in Champagne, that really gives an oh, insight to okay. how strict the laws are. Um, and in different regions, 
have different laws. Um, and I mm-hmm. mentioned Champaign just because they are one of the strictest regions. Literally, the government tells you what day you can start picking your grapes and what day you can't pick your grapes. Oh, so there's like goodness. this four day window when you're allowed to pick grapes. And before and after mm-hmm. that, if you pick. And that's in Champagne. Like in Champagne, you're not oh, okay. like your product is not viable. Like you broke the law. Mm. Just to give you like some insight into these laws, because mm. it's so different than what we know of here in right. America. So as far as rosé goes, the uh, region of Provence and France is is also strict and um, prestigious and held highly, and um. There's actually this um, sub-region in Provence called uh, Bandol uh, that sells the most expensive rosé mm. in the world that's made of a 100%, um, I mean, I don't know, Screaming Eagle maybe will make a rosé one year and like sell <laughs> oh. it for thousands and thousands of dollars. But just very generally speaking, uh, Bandol rosé that is made from 100% Mouved has a very prestigious and rooted history. And um, very strict um, rules and regulations. So I think that that has a lot to do with um, why um, Provence is um, what it is. Has the name that it has. Um, Because of those rules and mm -hmm, that. mm -hmm. But that's, I mean, that is France, right? I mean. Well, we saw those rules in Italy, too. Mm -hmm. Well, absolutely. they They could not water. Mm-hmm. Now it wasn't to the point of what day you can start picking and what right day you each can't, region is, but it was like you can't add water, and so it can't irrigate. It forced, right. Yeah, it forced those vines, the root system, to seek the water, which made them work for it, mm-hmm. but made made them stronger. Produced really good fruit too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but also, it can bite you in the butt too. I mean. Well, Super Tuscan well, exactly. is not a DOCG classification, and mm-hmm. it's still a very mm-hmm. so the winemaker that wine. we toured with in in the um, Piedmonte area was saying that these these rules they have to abide by may have to change due to climate change. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it's the same in France that there are these these rules and these laws but at the same time with hotter temperatures you know they have to adapt we're all having to adapt and and the same with the the winemakers that the rules may change well there's a big controversy about prosecco you know in the prosecco region uh, in in italy well people are just calling just about any bubbly from from Italy, Prosecco, but the real Prosecco people want to narrow that definition or maybe even change the name of Prosecco to... Just like Champagne. They want a specific area. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it's fascinating and it's fun research. It is. It absolutely is. Uh, There's... Have you been to France? Yes. Yes, I have. I've, um, so been... you went to Provence or not? No. Where'd you go? I have been uh, to Champagne, um, and I've been um, to Bone, which is um, one of the regions in Burgundy, mm-hmm. and I have been to Alsace. Okay. Mm, that should be another 
talk about some changes with climate change. Oh, yeah. That was really interesting to see it in person. Mm. Um, different um, hectares of land of uh, vines being literally ripped up so they could mm. plant um, red red varieties because the grape skins of white grapes are um they, they're getting sunburned i mean mm-hmm. i mean just think of like your hydrangeas right <laughs> in the sun when mm-hmm. we don't have enough cloud coverage or right, rain right they burn away the same things hap- happens with um white grapes right so you have to adapt uh-huh. because you want to make money and pay your bills well right. yeah and i heard from a, a wine shop owner that in california some of the vineyards were even now, I don't know if this is really true, spritzing their their grapes with a sunscreen <laughs> to cut down on the... I would love to read an article about this. I would, that too. Is, <laughs> that is fascinating. <laughs> I mean, I'm not like... Well, our our tour guide, who... <laughs> they His family owned... In Italy? Two, in Italy. Yeah, right. in okay. Italy. Our tour guide Which in region Italy. did y'all go to? We went to the Piedmonte, Piedmonte and, area. and Tuscany. Yeah. So this, which um, tour guide was this? Was this in Tuscany? Well, n- no. He, his family only owned two hectares. This was in Piedmonte. Ooh, okay. But he was telling us how they would cut the wine leaves. To grape. To grape leaves. To, to let it. To let the sun get through mm-hmm. to the other side, for a shade, and yep. and create, and then the, that other side was creating shade to the other. You know, one side was creating shade to one side, and the other side being cut to let the sun get through. So it's quite strange how they were doing all that, but it's like that couldn't have been a third generation right experience it had to be you know we're going through real global changes and they're having to learn what to do well because they're not allowed to irrigate at all so they're coming up with other alternatives to they're getting creative with their solutions it's so anyway let's go back to jose it's (laughs) delicious it is they're both delicious I don't know which one I would choose over the other. <laughs> I will say my favorite, this is about my favorite time of year for the wine world. Spring, uh, late spring, early summer, just because um, rosés like, are being. This early is this summer, early summer? doesn't feel like yeah. it. Yeah, you're outside, it doesn't feel like it. But according to the calendar mm-hmm. <laughs> and shipping dates, it is early summer. I know, right. we just had the whole solstice in it. You're right. <laughs> um, and you can cook an egg on the sidewalk right now Um, but as far as the calendar year goes this is one of my favorite times of year um because rosé is very um generally speaking of course there's uh, exceptions um but typically you want to enjoy rosé as fresh as possible i mean look at the bottles that they come in Mm -hmm. clear bottles there's not any kind of light protection going here oh no um so there's no longevity um, but also we're tasting these and we keep talking about these fresh fruit profiles, right? Right. Um, you don't necessarily want to drink a wine with like an old desiccated fruit profile. Exactly. I mean, if we're talking like some aged Barolo or something where there's a lot of other different layers supporting that, it's a good experience. But in a rosé, 
Not typically. Um, so every year around this time of year, you see the new newest vintage come in. So right now, as we're speaking, it's um, summer of 2022. So right now coming to market, we're seeing 21 rosés come in. So fresh off of the boats. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That is as fresh and yeah. vibrant as yeah. the wines will be. And then they just decline after that. Right. They do. So um, so the the older the rosés mm-hmm. the less good they might be yeah i mean it's not it's not going to go bad like there's no mm-hmm. like spoilage or mold or anything mm-hmm. that's going to make you sick mm-hmm. um but these beautiful vibrant expressive fruit profile mm-hmm. notes are going to be much more diminished and you're really going to have to like stick your nose deeper into the glass oh, to get anything older. out of it yeah so i mean you just want the best experience so Josh directed me to a Trader Joe rosé, and I can't remember exactly what it was, but we drank it. We drank it up, and uh, I was afraid. We drank it up? We drank it up. <laughs> we drank them all up. <laughs> but I was afraid because it was maybe as a 2021. I said, are you sure? And then it's like $12 or something like that. But it it was very drinkable, mm-hmm. and I'm glad to know that that is not a concern for a, you know, a casual wine drinker yeah uh, that uh, a 2021 20, 2020 are there any 2022s already out or not probably no, not next no. year this 2020, time next year we'll 2020 they like rack them in december yeah so, so, so then they come out 20 early. so the 2020 are on the vines right now okay or the 2022 is on the vines right 2022s now. are on the vines. hasn't been picked yet. so a 2022 would be great 2021 if it's available. Mm-hmm. What about if you find some 2019s? Yeah. Is that be okay? So a really, <laughs> I mean, I'm, again, I'm it's buyer. not going yeah. to be bad, but a really good indication, especially since these bottles are clear, mm-hmm. is the color. The more vibrant the color, like the, you know, that's a good indicator. If they get super coppery, like, um, like the color of a penny, That is an indication of oxidation. Mm -hmm. So it has, you know, definitely passed its prime. And the flavor profile is going to be much more old, oxidized fruit. Like fruit that's been sitting out on your kitchen counter for a while. Like those flavor profiles. Yeah. Exactly. If you leave an apple out too long, it turns brown. Yep. Thank you, Maggie. (laughs) (laughs) I just want you to have the best wine experience possible. Oh. Definitely. It it doesn't take much for me. <laughs> well, are we coming up on best on play? I have been like in the back of my mind I've been thinking that's about why it this I gave whole you the time. Head, that's why I gave you the heads up. I appreciate that. Because that would have been just a blindsided thing. <laughs> so I think the easier one would be best on your plate with your wine for you. For the uh Chinon, Rose mm-hmm. Chinon. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite pairing with the Chinon is the shrimp. Oh, okay. That's well, there's okay. a there's a crossover. Ding 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 ding. Oh no, no foul, no foul. Okay. Well, I'm so the okay the smoky sausage was not the best with your wine. And I'm not sure it was the best on my wine, but we'll get there later. <laughs> so, 
I could cross over and, and agree with you that the shrimp was, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say the best on your plate, and I I forget the two sausages. The one was a little lighter mm-hmm. than the other. That's the Toulouse, the French the sausage. French one. The French. Mm-hmm. I think that was the best on your plate with your wine. Ah, mm-hmm. I really like that. I love a good theme. It had <laughs> yeah it. So. That sausage seemed to go with the, you know, the fat of the sausage and the acid of the wine. They seemed to pair really well. Yeah. And the protein, like, because it's pork, it is heavier mm-hmm. compared to, let's say, a cheese. Mm-hmm. And the sheen- the rosé chinon was heavier. So that mm-hmm. totally makes sense to, you know, I the weight. Said, I could have said the brie because that, was, that, well, that was good with either wine. Now, what was Joanne? What was oh. best on her plate and her wine? Mm. Mm. The mild, the milder sausage. That's the one, yeah. Joe's. Yeah, yeah. Um, I liked all the sausages. Um, the spicy one, um, which is what's it called? The those. Oh well, the, the darkest one, one the dark- is a. A uh, Texas hot link style. Okay, that yeah. hot links. Yeah, I was, was just <laughs> showcasing you something no, I made. It, that I'm was sorry. that was fun to try that. But yeah, I like the milder sausage and the cheese um, with both of them. I mean, I loved it all. I think the shrimp cocktail really just goes so well with the rosé. And I'll give old Fresh Market with either one. a plug. Yeah. Oh, did you on, get these from Fresh Market? On Thursdays, you can get their. Uh, it's a dozen fresh shrimp with a little cocktail sauce for five dollars and um it is it's a deal it's a deal and if you want a cold you know if you're gonna have a party or like me and john we decide we want some shrimp cocktail and a rosé um you don't have to spend a lot of money to get a a good little appetizer or a first course um so i would say the shrimp with both of them, the sausages are also a good source of flavor and protein, which is what you want when you're drinking. <laughs> it some good protein and so some fat. which was the best Fair with her wine? Nice. The best with her wine. <laughs> was the light sausage? Is that what you said? Yes. I'll say that. I love you it said all. a lot of other things and <laughs> I got confused. Okay. Excuse me. I have a hard time with best. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it back at you. The best of my wine and my plate. And you can cross over. Oh, by this time, I'd, I, I would say the best would be the shrimp. Mm-hmm. But I like the cheese, too. Maggie? I'm going to stick with my crossover here. I'm <laughs> You're going to go with the shrimp on both of them. No, I'm going to go with... So the shrimp you brought, and I picked my wine. So I'm going to pick my food, the bean dip, with your wine. The yes. Provence Rosé. Oh, That's true. Double, I just double absolutely love, yes, that flavor combo. Well, I'm going to have to say you are absolutely correct. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> that, ah! bean, that bean dip and my I'm wine. so glad you liked oh, that. Oh, fantastic. that makes me so happy. Now, the second... In line for second was that smoky sauce. Really? With your wine. I just brought that because I wanted you to eat it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you liked it. Oh, no. For someone who likes 
spicy food. Both the, the bean dip was pretty spicy yeah, too. Yeah, there's a little bit of and spice the spicy too. Sa- sausage. Uh, your wine is a little stronger. It holds up probably mm-hmm. better with the spicier food than John. Maybe so. Do you think that, or am I just totally off? Um, uh, it, maybe because it look it looks like not wimpy. <laughs> <laughs> what a great time! All of it's good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cheers. Are we ready for the blind? Oh, uh, do we have time for the blind? Absolutely. All right, Joanne's got the wine poured up. This is a red wine. It goes out to a clear manesis. I'm not really seeing... There's a few legs, you know. Big and bold. It's not real cold because she's had it out. Room temp, definitely. Yeah, room temperature, not cellar. It's not opaque. I can definitely see my fingers through the glass. So it's not going to be a well. You can't read through it. Skinned grape. (laughs) I could read the large letter E on an eye chart. I could read the E. (laughs) You got got that memorized. (laughs) So there's no uh, gas or sediment. So I, it's not it's not like a champagne rosé champagne. I want to say it's not a cab because it's not it doesn't have doesn't that have real, that dark robust oh, pink. yeah yeah right. uh-huh. let's get a little taste. Have you had a taste? Oh, I smelled it. I definitely get a couple of notes on the nose, but I'm trying to swirl to to mm. open it up, get some air in the glass. Right, to, I'm doing the same thing. It's been in you know. It's been closed in this bottle, and this is the first time yeah. it's breathed. Josh would have decanter. poured it into a decanter, probably. All right, with the it's... bean dip. <laughs> <laughs> Are you changing your answer? No. Best on plate. This is very, I mean, I definitely get fruit profile, like oh, well, red I get, fruit, I, I, but I, I get dark her- red herbaceousness fruit. to it, too. Do you really? Huh? Yeah, red and dark, like mm-hmm. plum. Yeah. But also cherry. Blackberries. And like this licorice. Licorice? Black licorice or red licorice? <laughs> like more in the vein of like star anise. Uh-huh. Okay. Ooh. If that it's makes a, sense. It's a good wine. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. Like black pepper. Like I want to take a steak and rub some black pepper on it. So it's got a wine. little... It's got some barnyard to it. It's got uh, maybe some limestone, earthy flavor. She looked at me like, "What the hell are you?" No, I have about? like this um, <laughs> the sesame seed stuck in my tooth from the uh, the brie cracker. But it, it it sort of makes your mouth pucker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely, like that that acidity that we've uh-huh, been talking about this episode right. definitely mm-hmm. is there. Like on the back of your tongue, it gives that like cotton ball drying sensation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely mm-hmm. some tannins in these. Right. So what are you both gonna guess it? Well, why not? And then yeah, next week we'll expose it. Yeah, that's the way it works. We don't expose it today. 
I'm getting like as it, it's opening, I'm getting more cedar. So there's definitely some wood influence. Mm-hmm. Do you get any vanilla? I'm not really not. I mean, it's maybe a tiny it, bit. It's it's got some oak usage, but I'm not really getting vanilla. Yeah, more uh, cedar and, and anise, and not really getting a a char. So I don't think it was Fennel. in a bourbon. It's not in a bourbon cast or anything mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, nothing that's like beating your head over with no. wood. So probably go back to French. It's like a French oak kind of wood. Yeah. Hmm. How much time do you get? We get as yeah. long okay, as we need. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> if I need to, okay. So my brain. That was I'm, like let, let, three let, minutes. Sorry. Yep. We're like, we're, we're not passing our uh, psalm test so here. So I'm, I, are you ready to say what it is? Sure. Um, oh, mm-hmm. you want me to? Okay. Well, I uh, I think it's yeah, a sh- sure. it. Go ahead. I don't know. I'm 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 feeling Italy. I'm feeling Italy over over France, uh-huh. and it's not domestic. I'm not feeling anything domestic. Like it's too rustic, too old world, which doesn't mean anything. But Chianti. I'm thinking Chianti. Yeah, from Italy. I'm feeling Tuscany old too. World. How old is it? Um, 20, the color. 20. And it has the clear rim. Yeah. Yeah, like, I don't think it's that old. And the tannin structure. 2018, 2019, somewhere. In yeah, there. relatively young. So, that's what I'm saying. Chianti, Old World Italy. Chianti, 2018. I think it's a Tuscan red that's predominantly... Tuscan, okay. Chianti, I mean, Chianti yeah. is in yeah. Tuscany. Uh-huh, right. I d- yeah. definitely think it's a Sangiovese dominant, but I would guess that there's a some kind of a blend. It could be, yeah. It's a red blend, yeah. It could be. I'm going to go with that. A okay. Chianti as well. So, I don't expose it on on. No, we don't that. expose it. But I so, can expose it to you afterwards. Yeah, afterwards. Well, so we're not done yet. <laughs> so, next week, we're doing beers. And I have a guest lined up. And I'm doing Diamond Bear Two Term. We're doing double IPA. Ooh, that's intense. <laughs> yeah. And my yeah, guest says big he's doing Sierra Nevada Bigfoot. Okay. Yeah. Is that also an IPA? No, I think so. Okay. But a, an IPA. You know, we'll find uh, out. IPA yeah, we'll find out. And, and uh, next week will be beers. And next week we'll reveal what reveal what this reveal <laughs> what this wine was. Right or wrong, we'll find out. I want to thank you, Maggie, for being here. It was so fun. Yeah, I do have so an anecdote for you. Oh, oh do you? Yeah, a rosé anecdote. Oh, okay. Please. When I was working at the wine shop, I did an all rosé tasting to showcase different rosés from around the world, different oh, color, different oh. flavor profile. And somebody came up to me and said, I'm not tasting that. I don't believe in rosé. And I said, rosé isn't like Santa Claus. It's not make-believe. It really exists. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) There's my joke of the day. (laughs) Our our neighbor, she was on a podcast, and she's doing 
non-alcohol. So we did a lot of mocktails. Yeah, so much fun. So we talked about wine on her episode, and she said she couldn't find any real mock wines. She says, but I don't do rosé. Ah, there you go. <laughs> that was Leslie. Yeah. Yeah. So. Maybe uh, we'll get a couple converts. Yeah. I don't know. Fingers crossed. I hope so, because rosé is, like you said, it's for real. And there's, like Joanne said, there's so much area in the liquor stores now for rosés that used to be just this little bitty area. One of my favorite restaurants in town, on the river, with a beautiful patio, has no rosés on their wine list. If you ask for one, they'll bring one out. And, and it's it not was good. about the only one. we, John and, and my brother could not drink it. It was not good. You know what we're talking about? We, we shouldn't say. Some, I'll tell you off air. But it's 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 really a great restaurant. Nice restaurant on the river. And so anyway, we'll be advocates for rosé. Yeah. Right. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks. It's great to have you. We back. might have to take our own rosé <laughs> and pay the dang corkage yeah, charge. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, there's Do a little education there. All right. Well, thanks. Well, thank you, Maggie, and thank you, Joanne, for being on the podcast. We thank all you listeners for being here. You know, listen listen to us. This is episode 104. You know, you might say that 104 is two years. Well, the first two episodes were in the same week. And as I said last week, I want Joss to be here for our celebration of two years. Not sure what we're going to do, but we'll have fun, and we hope you join us. And all you listeners, go out there, go to your your podcast platform, do those things that ask you to like us, follow us, you know, give us a rating. It's okay if you give us a bad rating. Just tell us why. We had a really bad rating in the front, but we we've taken care of that. You know, the person said, you know, there's too many sounds. (laughs) And this is this is a podcast where we're eating. We're drinking, and yes, there are some sounds, and we've learned how to take care of that. So, to go out there and, you know, listen to us, be a listener, go to your podcast platform, and if you want to be, as Josh calls it, old school, send us an email. Last week I said a letter. Send us an email at acquiredtastings at gmail.com, and, you know... We're appreciative of you being here. Thank you. And this has been fun. Thank you, Maggie. And this is John Mills. See us next time. Thank you and goodbye.